Hi, Grapes. It's been a while. Well, it probably hasn't been a while for you since we're happening at different times. Or I guess we're happening at the same time in a place where time doesn't exist. I don't know. It's a headache. You might have been born after I died, or you might be like an ancient Mesopotamian farmer, and either way, you're just dreaming your life over and over, thinking you're real and I'm not, blissfully unaware of your own death and destiny. I don't know. Honestly, I don't care. Grapes, do you think you're a good person? Like, of course you end up in hell, but you don't think you're dead, and you don't think I'm real, so let's do a purely hypothetical thought experiment. Do you think you're a good person? Did you ever think you were a good person, like when you were a kid? Did you think you were a good person when you were a kid? Really think about it. I'm not 100% sure of how judgment or placement in hell works, because Isaac brought up some really good questions, but I don't really want to talk about how placement in hell works, because Isaac also brought up some really good points about how broken that system would be, so forget all that. Forget heaven and hell for a minute, and let's just say that when you die, you're just dead. What makes you a good or bad person? I used to think about that a lot as a kid. In junior high, I painted on my ceiling with glow-in-the-dark paint, um, so my mom wouldn't catch me. It was an apartment, so I shouldn't have done that at all, I guess, but I painted stars and planets on my ceiling, and I spent all this time doing it because we had moved, and I wanted my new room to look like my childhood bedroom. But when I turned the lights off, you know, I was all ready. It was like the countdown for Rockefeller Center, but when I turned my lights off, the paint didn't work. It didn't catch enough light on my ceiling, so it didn't glow at all. And I remember standing in the dark and realizing that my childhood had been over for ages and ages and ages, and I didn't feel a thing about it. Before we moved to that apartment, I had glow-in-the-dark stars on my ceiling, and my ceiling was painted blue, so I wouldn't forget I was a boy, I guess. And I used to stare at the stars and wonder if I was a good person, and I kind of figured I wasn't. It started when I was probably like seven, and my mom read me the kids left behind books before bed. And if you don't know, those books are about kids that get left behind at the rapture, which is like when Jesus is supposed to come back to get all the Christians and leave everybody else to suffer through the apocalypse. So basically, they were these kids' books about kids who weren't good enough to go to heaven, and they got left behind. And I remember staring at the star behind my mom's head as she read to me and knowing that I would get left behind. I let it all play out in my head. I'd wake up one morning, and the sky would be blood red. I'd see it through my bedroom window, and I'd run up the stairs to tell my parents, but their bed would be empty, and I'd check every room in the house, but they'd all be empty, and I'd check the garage, and the garage would be empty, but my dad's car would still be there, and I'd turn on the TV, and the world would be ending. Everything would be blood red, everyone would be dying, and I'd pick up my mom's phone and sit in the middle of our living room floor, and I'd sit there, and I'd call everybody I knew, but no one would answer, and I'd pray, but no one would answer that either. Have you ever sung a hymn? alone at one in the morning and you're crying your eyes out and none of the glow-in-the-dark stars you put on your ceiling worked and you're singing and you hate yourself but you don't have the vocabulary to describe why and when you do get the vocabulary you say I can't because you've been told it's heroic to say I can't and you cry and you whisper I can't and you sing Amazing Grace until you have a stomachache and you stare at the dark ceiling and ask how old was I when I learned to hate myself and you ask God what makes me a good or bad person. And God never really gets back to you on that one. Do you have things? 
you have things that like get stuck inside you and they fall out into everything you say and do and make like you're a wastebasket full of someone else's tissues because like growing up I had this friend that I think I was in love with for a really long time and and he was a boy and I think his big brown eyes got stuck in my stomach and the sound and the smell of rain hitting the dash of his car got stuck in my lungs and I still know his birthday. It's stuck in my brain. I think about it every year. And one night I was listening to Amazing Grace and staring at my starless ceiling and he called me and I think that night got stuck in me too. Greeps, I don't know how to think about good and evil without thinking about eternity. Like, it's something we've all experienced, right? There was a time before you existed, and during that time you were eternity. You were nothing, forever, and when you're alive, you're something for a minute, and then if you didn't have heaven or hell, like for the thought experiment, if you didn't have heaven or hell, you'd die and you'd be nothing forever again. So it must be only natural to think about eternity because you spend a vast majority of your time not existing, being nothing in a forever void. But when I was growing up, eternity meant hell because I never thought I'd go to heaven. And in hell, you're supposed to be in perfect pain forever, right? I mean, I'm not, but but like that's, that's what I was raised to think. And I just don't know how to think about eternity without thinking about punishment. I've never driven into the city without seeing seven churches and an outlet mall. The ice cream trucks where I'm from play when the saints come marching in. I've never thought about morality without religion, and I've never thought of myself as a good person. I wish I was a perfect person. And and what makes you a free person? Like, if you work in a convenience store and there's a gas leak in the back... So if you stand in the back for too long, you'll throw up, but you have to stand back there to do inventory and you're free to quit or call OSHA and your boss isn't allowed to fire you for calling OSHA just like they weren't allowed to fire your friend for getting pregnant, but they will. And they did. And it's a terrible job that you're free to quit, but it's impossible to get a job in your tiny town and you have rent and groceries and college to pay for and... The job gives you health insurance. And are you really free to quit? Because the government's not controlling you or anything, but you depend on your job for everything, and in return they demand you become a perfect temple to them. And you don't have the savings to quit or to sue them, so you get sick in the back, and they contribute to some politicians' campaigns so they can get restrictions pulled back, so now they're allowed to sell cheap toilet paper produced by overseas slavery. And you hold the toilet paper in your hand, and you think someone died for this. And then you buy it anyway because it's cheap, and you get paid $8 an hour, which is pretty good for your state, but it's still only $8 an hour. And you walk home in the dark, and you toss the plastic bag you carried the plastic wrapped toilet paper in, and you think the world is going to end because of this. And you think, I guess I'm free. And you stare at the water damage on your ceiling, and you ask, what makes me a good or bad person? And you realize that your childhood ended ages ago, and you don't feel a thing anymore. I've... I've discovered something about surrender. I'm always free to say no to her the same way I was always free to say no to taking inventory next to the gas leak. Grapes. I did something bad. Surrender sent me to Earth. 
a while back, like a whole while ago. I haven't talked to you in a while, but she sent me to Earth, and I landed at night in the middle of a field. It was a peppermint field so big I couldn't see the edges of it, and the sky was huge and full of stars, and I couldn't see the edges of that either. And, you know, I didn't have a corporeal body. I was technically just in a new part of the astral plane that exists between death and life. So I was standing in the soul of this mint field, basically. And it smelled like an August night, and it smelled like chamomile, and it smelled like dust. And I see something the size of a man in the distance, and his eyes reflect the moon like human eyes don't. But he's not the one I'm supposed to talk to. So I start walking away from him, and I'm looking over my shoulder at him, but he isn't doing anything. So I walk and walk and walk until I step in water, and I look down, and the mint is still growing out of it, but I see that there is an endless lake in the middle of the endless field. And I still can't tell where the field meets the sky. They're both dark and blowing in the wind, which the sky is not supposed to do. And I glance back at the man and he isn't doing anything, and then I stare at the sky because the black of it is moving like waves at sea, and so is the mint. And then I turn around and I jump because there's a spirit there that looks just like a 1960s movie alien, and it's leaning against this UFO the size of a small car, and the UFO is all lit up by neon. And the alien's wearing a Christmas sweater, and it has huge, huge antlers like a deer, and we stare at each other for a minute, and the man in the distance stares at both of us. And I say, hey. And the spirit says, death is something you return to. And the wind picked up around us, and for a second, I could have swore the moon was a squid. I have something for you, I said. Then the spirit was smoking a cigarette. I didn't see it light. What would you do if the world was ending, Simon? And I said I didn't know, because I don't. And the spirit said, I keep watching nature documentaries and crying. And I said, why do you keep watching them if they make you cry? The spirit took a drag off its cigarette, and the smoke it blew floated up and turned into a thousand tiny squids, which immediately fell out of the sky and plopped into the perfectly still lake. The spirit said, I keep watching nature documentaries and crying because it's important to bear witness. It's important to say that's a rhino, that's a tuna, that's a tiger. I saw them before it ended. I watched it end. I'm sorry for being complicit in this, but you will never forgive me because you're a rhino, and you can't. The spirit took another drag off its cigarette and spit more squids into the sky. The world has ended before, it said. The world ended before, and I bore witness to that too, and I mourned. And I asked, like, the world ended when the dinosaurs all died? And the spirit said, like when Columbus came here. Oh, yeah. I said, yeah. Uh, Surrender sent me. I have something for you. They say it's all gonna be squids, said the spirit. They say the ocean's gonna fill up with squids. I looked at the man watching us over the horizon, and then I looked into the lake. It was full of squids. I used to be a deer, said the spirit. I used to be a deer, and this used to be a forest. Now it's a field. It will be a lake. I swirled my foot around in the icy water. Because of climate change? I asked. No, said the spirit. Because the farmer will die, and a pipe will burst, and her field will flower and fill with water, and no one will notice she is dead. Give me the stolen sewing scissors you brought, said the spirit. I did. 
They were small scissors in hell, but they had been growing bigger and bigger and bigger, and when the spirit took them, they were the size of garden shears. Are you going to cut the farmer in half? I asked. I just, I want to know that you're not going to cut her in half. The spirit laughed and flicked its cigarette into the lake. It turned into a squid midair and landed with a plop. I turned to double-check that the man in the distance was still distant, but I couldn't see him anymore. Where'd the man go? I asked. He's closer, said the spirit. Then, I won't cut her in half. I will snip the strings of fate that bind her to her family and her future, and she will die. And fate will not know to come get her, and the farmer will haunt her lake. She has haunted the lake. She does haunt the lake. Okay, I said. The lake will fill with squids someday, said the spirit. You have brought me scissors because of a system you ran your car, because of a system you bought plastic-wrapped toilet paper, because of a system I am going to kill a woman, and the world is going to fill with squids. I stared at the spirit. It stared back. You should run, it said. The man is close. I looked around and saw the glowing eyes running, tearing across the field, and I turned and ran into the lake. I was going as fast as I could, but I got stuck in the mud, and I fell, and the man was close and sprinting closer. I yelled, and I flailed deeper into the water, and then I slipped down into the depths of it, and suddenly was sucked under and back into hell, drenched and accompanied by hundreds of squids. And Surrender yelled at me, because there's a bunch of squids floating around her house now. <sighs> Grape Surrender had me help kill somebody, because she wanted a house empty. I don't even know why she needed that house. I don't know why she couldn't just use any empty house. There's so many empty houses in the world. But I did it. I got fate to lend me a pair for sewing scissors, and I brought them out to the middle of nowhere, and I gave them to a spirit to kill a lady. And like, I wasn't the one that killed her, but I'm pretty complicit in this. And, and I just did it because Surrender told me to, because she controls everything. Like, I'm free to walk away, but she is the system I serve. She is in a position to control so much of society, including people on Earth. And I'm free to quit. And I'm free to call fate, but I'm not going to. And Surrender was right before. I really wouldn't kill for any of my family on Earth. I just wouldn't, but... She realized I have friends. Like, she forgets things about humans sometimes, but she remembered that we have friends, and she realized I have Isaac. And... And I think there are things that get stuck inside you, like a Ninja Turtle action figure with no left foot, plastic stars on your ceiling, or the darkness without them, the smell of rain filtering in through the heater of your best friend's car... The feel of hot water from a hotel bathroom shower getting caught in your lungs because you're crying. The barely there tears in the eyes of your friend because she was fired for being pregnant. And the desperate taste of amazing grace spilling out of you when you're alone at 1am. And my old best friend called me at 1am in high school. And that got stuck in me too. He, he was freaking out. It was late. He had a lot of school, and he wasn't doing very good with it, and he told me he just couldn't do it anymore, and I talked him out of doing anything drastic. I, I was 15. I just think that's what being 15 is like. It's just talking people down over and over, and 
lying about your age on dating apps because you don't have any common sense. So I talked him down, but I was still really worried. Um, so we went and talked to his mom, and it was this, it was a lot. He, he was scared. We're guys. We weren't supposed to talk about that kind of thing or, like, need help, but I was terrified of losing my friend, and he really needed help, and he knew it. So I was, like, I was, like, there to be moral support, and we sat down, and his, <laughs> his family had money, and they had this fancy living room, so we sat down and talked to his mom in their fancy living room, and, like... <laughs> He started crying, and it was a really hard conversation, and he asked if he could, like, go to therapy or even just a doctor or drop some things he was doing for school, and I, th I thought it was really brave of him, and his mom said no, and, and, well, she told him to stop crying, and that was the end of it. During that whole conversation, I just kept staring at their expensive-looking fake fireplace, and I think that's stuck in me too now, somewhere. My friend... my friend was okay. Well, he wasn't okay at all, a little, but he lived. And we went on a road trip in 11th grade, and he broke my heart, and I cried in a hotel bathroom without telling anybody. And then I went to college, and we didn't talk anymore. And I stared at the ceiling at college. I was in a dorm for a couple years before I got that terrible apartment with the water damage. And, you know, I'd stare at the dorm ceiling and there was this huge crack in it. And it was Bible college and we would talk about free will and how God gave it to us so we could choose to turn to God. And I'd think, is the will free or do I have to pay for it? <sighs> is, is the will free if I get punished at the end? No matter what, if I was born to get punished at the end. Because, like, hypothetically, if I was born somewhere without Christianity, then I would never be able to choose God. God would have created me just to send me to hell. And if I was born like me, it's just the will didn't seem very free, is all. And I would wonder what made me a good or bad person. My sophomore year of college, I was living in the dorm with the huge crack, and I kept having breakdowns because why not spice up your second year of school by having panic attacks constantly? Who cares? And I got this letter in the mail from my friend's mom. It was this really long letter. She had moved, and my old friend had moved, and the teenager who lived across the street from them uh, took his own life. So my friend's mom sent me this whole letter thanking me for helping my friend talk to her and thanking me for talking him out of it. And she put gift cards in the letter as like a thank you. And one was for iTunes and one was for Fred Meyer, which is an expensive grocery store. And, and I've never owned a piece of Apple technology in my life. At the time, I had my friend's old, old Android phone with this huge crack in the screen and my town didn't have a Fred Meyer. I stared at the letter, and I didn't feel a thing. I thought, I spent a chunk of my childhood doing what you should have done. You were his mom. And I thought, your son's an awful person. I'm glad he's okay, but he's awful. And you're awful, and your husband's awful, and I'm never gonna use these stupid, preppy gift cards. And I didn't use the gift cards. I, 
I never had the opportunity to. I kept giving them to people and then getting them back because I didn't know anyone with enough money to use Apple. I didn't have any friends who lived in the same town as a Fred Meyer. I ended up sticking them in the pencil jar on my desk, and they ended up sticking themselves deep behind my eyes. I think my friend's mom thought she was a good person. I think she probably thought she did the right thing by sending the letter. She probably felt like healed or forgiven or something. I I don't know. I don't care. I just... I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Good night, grapes. Good night. I know we both ended up in hell, but... I hope you feel like a good person. I hope if you have glow-in-the-dark stars stuck on your ceiling, they glow real bright for you. Good night.